All right. Solo, a Star Wars story, movie review. Movie reviewing time. We're moving up in the world. Yes. Star Wars. We're, we're out of the prequels, even though technically we still are. Because yes. Solo's technically a prequel, but yeah. it's in our first Disney era it's the Star Disney Wars prequel movie. character. Car- uh, story. Excuse me. Disney prequel movie. Which is uh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Considering how this movie is the lowest grossing Star Wars film mm-hmm. of all time. and That's stuff. interesting, isn't it? It is. And the first one to come out in May. That was yeah. part of Disney, not in December. Yeah. So so I think we can say, safely say that there's a, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that kind of happened with this film. That makes it even more interesting. Mm-hmm. Considering how... This movie was not originally supposed to be directed by Ron Howard. How Lord and Miller, who directed the Lego movie, was mm-hmm. supposed to direct this one. And Didn't they do Into the Spider-Verse? They wrote Into the oh, Spider-Verse. Okay. They, they didn't wrote direct Into it. the Spider-Verse, okay. And I think they also wrote the, the 21 Jump Street films and okay. a couple other things. But they were supposed to direct this movie, but them and Kathleen did not get along. So they got out. Ron Howard got in. Which, I gotta say... This movie was supposed to originally come out in May. And well, I guess we'll talk a little bit maybe when we get to the Disney-era Star Wars films. But all of them were not originally going to come out in December. Like, like at least Force Awakens was supposed to come out in May. But because of production delays and stuff, they got pushed back to December. This movie was always supposed to come out in May of 2018. And despite everything that happened behind the scenes and having to mm-hmm. reshoot stuff and film new stuff... They got that movie out on time mm-hmm. in that time period. That's that, that's impressive. Let's put it at that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All so, right. So, so, so this will be this will be a good discussion. I have that feeling. Yeah, this also is the first uh first movie in Star Wars uh, C3PO. Yeah, or R2D2. Yeah. Yeah, first ones. Anthony Daniels is in the movie. Yeah, so yeah, doesn't he play like a background character? He in one plays of one. He plays the, um, he plays the Wookiee that is close to Chewie. Oh, that's right. And yeah. apparently, apparently, also there's a deleted scene. I haven't. I don't know if it's confirmed fact, but I also heard that there's a deleted scene when Han is facing trial in the Empire as one of the you know students. And you mm. hear like a British voice in the background. That's also maybe his voice. Oh, yeah. Um, but that I, got cut in okay. the original movie in theaters. But he he is the Wookiee, I believe, that is closer to Chewie than the rest of them are. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. That's yeah. kind of cool. So, and this also almost was the first Star Wars movie without a lightsaber. But yes, we'll get we'll, we'll get into that a little yep. bit later. Mm-hmm. But but this this will be good. I'm excited. Yeah. Where do you want to start? Um. Well. I guess we could start with positives and mm-hmm. kind of move on from there. Okay. Uh, however you want to yeah. go by this. We can go positives. Um, we got to first start off about talking about the character of this movie. Yeah. The main character is uh, Alden Ehrenreich. Do uh, I have uh, his name right? Who I think played? it's Aldrich Ehrenreich. Aldrin Ehrenreich, whatever. Yeah, yeah close Who enough. played <laughs> Han Solo. How do you feel? Do you like it? I have it as my strengths. Okay. Yeah, I did too. Mm-hmm. Like... I think he's fine. I, I don't think he's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tough thing about casting someone to play a young Han Solo is that 
Harrison Ford did such an iconic performance yeah. as this character. Like, no matter who you got, mm-hmm. it would always dim dimmer in comparison to just how iconic this character was played by Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. As goes without saying. But this guy, you know, he does okay. Like, there are some callbacks that he does make to be Harrison Ford. You know, there's definitely some moments where, especially watching it, you know, a few times I've watched it, I've I've said, wow, he does kind of remind me of Han Solo played by Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. But then there's those other times where it's kind of like, oh, I don't know if that was quite where yeah. he should go. But, I, you know, he, he did fine. You know, he wasn't terrible, but I don't know if he was amazing. I don't know who could have been amazing as mm-hmm. young Han Solo. But, you know, he did fine. I I, I liked him. He was okay. Yeah, um, I think there are some scenes that are better than others. But if not, he's, he's, he's fine. He... he um, he kind of reminds me of just an actor trying to play, um, uh, what, what I appreciate is that it doesn't seem like he's trying to do his best Harrison Ford impression. Yeah. He's just trying to do his best Han, which is maybe where you can give him a couple of weaknesses on it because it doesn't look like the greatest Han, but a couple yeah. of scenes remind me of Han. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad it doesn't look like he's trying to be Harrison Ford. Yeah, like he's trying to do a Harrison Ford impersonation. Like, yeah. I think that would have been called out a lot. Yeah. For sure. But, yeah, he, he tried to do his own with Han Solo, but yet also trying to stay true with the character. Mm-hmm. I mean, he tried. He may not have been great at it, but, you know, he, he did fine. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you one who did really good that really impressed me. Yep. Donald Glover as Lando. Lando Calrissian. Uh, he was so good. Talk about someone who channeled Billy D. Williams to a T. Like, he, he just he just oozed that charm, that suaveness that Billy D. Williams had in Empire and Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it just seemed like he, you know, it's like a photocopy of how he acted, his mannerisms, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like, like even just the one scene where he, he's like, he's in the Falcon and he's doing the, I, I forget what it's called, the Lando Chronicle or something like that. Mm-hmm. His little podcast kind of thing. Like, I really like that. That just seems like something Lando would do, you know? Yeah. Like, like I, I just think, I think he's the best actor in the entire film. I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate his performance. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish he was in the movie more than what he was, but, mm-hmm. but I think that's a good thing. Like, like, you know. You don't want someone to overstay their welcome, but yet, you know, mm-hmm. it's a good performance when you want more of of what they gave, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I really liked him in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I liked how Lando... There's, like, a couple of scenes that are similar with, like, the guy that plays Han. Like, I like that he tries to play Lando. It doesn't seem like he's trying to do his best Billy D. Yeah. Even though he is very much like mm-hmm. Billy D. It's because he's doing better yeah. at it. He reminds me of... Like, the scene where uh, the Falcon can't, uh, has something on the bottom of it, and kind of the shadow of what he kind of looks like with, with his arms kind of reminds me of uh, mm-hmm. when Lando has a ship kind of have the, I can't believe they didn't fix it, come on, you know? And just other times where, like... Um, he calls him hand. Yeah, when like he calls him... Been... Like, just, you know, when they're gambling. Like, those special scenes, like, remind me of, like, okay, I can see these two... Not these two actors in the originals meeting, but the characters when they're, what, 20 years younger, and this is how they meet. In this gambling uh, game and in this gambling game. I like how the... Yeah, they they remind me of the characters. Uh, yeah. And they remind me of kind of, like, progression. Like, you can see that Lando who hates, you know, uh, mining colonies and has a Chronicles and... 
um, but yeah, it's still suave. He has all these capes. Mm-hmm. Become the guy in so many years to own a mining colony, to be um, still himself, but he's not totally a bad guy. Um, yeah. You know, I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but I'll accept it. Kind of reminds me of the deal with Vader. Like, you said you said I could do this. He's like, I'm altering. Well, this, I'm altering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're just lucky I'm going to have for, you alive. Yeah, I don't alter it any further, you know. Kind of reminds me of he's willing to do deals and stuff. That he's just trying to survive the radar. Get underneath Empire mm-hmm. entanglements. But, of course, it comes yeah. upon him in five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's still, he's still trying to save his own skin. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's not quite at the point where we see him in five where he's caring about, like, other people and stuff. Besides mm-hmm. L three, which we'll get to get to her in a little bit, but you know, besides her, like he only cares about himself mm-hmm. and advancing himself, as we see with him cheating at the card table mm-hmm. and and flying off with the Falcon when you know trouble kind of comes when Han Beckett and all of them are facing that group towards the end of the movie. So so mm-hmm. he, so you can definitely tell he's not quite there yet where he where you know he is in five, but you know at least room for character development. Where say if you know if they ever did a solo two or if they did a Lando series on Disney Plus or something like that, you could see mm-hmm. them develop that even further. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I like is I like when Han and Chewie meet. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It, it was great in the trailers, scene. but I still enjoyed the scene watching it in movie in the movie, just like. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I didn't know how they met in the originals. No, they but never it is it. classic Han that. It's classic Han and Chewie story that they met in a mud pit somewhere, mm-hmm. and they originally weren't really friends, and Chewie was supposed to eat him, but kind of was like a silly joke that they got, they escaped free, so, because, you know, he hit the big stick and the thing fell, so. Mm-hmm. You see them kind of try to work together and mm-hmm. stuff. It's it's good banter between them. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's see. Do you or do you not like Beckett? Because I like the story uh, of Beckett's journey in this and what he kind of tells Han and kind of why that establishes Han as a loner in the original trilogy that he can't doesn't really trust anybody. And Just the story of Han in this story about just him trusting Chewie and how Beckett's character is kind of like, he's not like a role model, but he's kind of like a, a wise mentor into this world of this underground... Um, smuggler world but he's not the best guy he's crooked he's like a han that never left kind of like kira yeah never left yeah like you could could tell that he's kind of someone who is like han if han never had his character arc in Mm -hmm. episode four where he changes to care about others Mm -hmm. i I mean i do like woody harrelson as beckett like i I think he makes the character kind of come alive a little bit kind of with his Mm -hmm. you know little quips that he does every now and then and just Mm -hmm. his charisma that woody harrelson naturally has in any film he's in Mm -hmm. like you know i I mean i like him you know he he does kind of make it a little obvious at times you know about trust you know Mm -hmm. You, you shouldn't trust people or you know so like like what he says to Chewie, I forget what the line is. What what he says to Chewie, uh, like uh, at the at the table when they're playing that. Oh, that, well, you don't want to make that move. Yeah, talking about that. Yeah, well, well, he mentioned something to Han, like like before, like he walks over uh, to Kira. Yeah, I, I what forget. does he say? But which he calls back to later on in the movie. Well, he's like, never be disappointed. People will betray you. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, probably something like that. So he mm-hmm. he does kind of make it a little bit 
obvious about trust and stuff, which, I mean, sets up him betraying Han mm-hmm. at the end and stuff, which kind of makes sense for his character because, you know, he's someone who doesn't really have any allegiance to other than himself, kind of, you know, because that's the line of work he's in. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely see him kind of setting up and Han about the idea of not trusting people, I guess. You know, so, so yeah. he, he, he does fine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I like him. You know, and it's kind of cool that Woody Harrison's in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, you know, it's it's like a fan's dream. What, yeah. what if Hamish was in a Star Wars movie? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, Do you ever get to Hunger Games? Yeah, he's something else. Um, the Falcon. Do you like what they do with the Falcon in this movie? Because that's, that's a... Well, just maybe not what they do, but like the moment when he meets the Falcon. Yeah, I, I mean, that. I don't know if I would say everything they do with the Falcon I love, oh, but yeah. I do like the introduction to the Falcon. Like, yeah, like it's cool. You know, I feel like you know it is cool to set up the Falcon in this movie, and and, and it's fun. It's cool to see, and especially like when they go inside and it's kind of brand new. Whereas in the original trilogy and you know even sequel trilogy, it's kind of old and beaten and stuff. Like you could tell it's been through a lot. Yeah. Whereas this movie is kind of brand new and stuff. Like, like that's kind of cool to see. You know. Yep. So so yeah, the, the Falcon's cool, and especially it's part of one of the best action scenes in the entire film, which we'll which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah. A little bit. But yeah, yeah, the Falcon introduction is pretty cool. Any other any highs from you? Uh, let's see. What what all did we already? Uh, let's see. Oh. Speaking of that uh, uh, cool action scene, I gotta say the best action scene I think of this entire film is the Kessel Run. Mm. Like I, I really like that action scene. I I remember just watching it when it came out last year and just really you know being invested when you know they're they're in the ship and they're trying to outrun the the you know Imperial cruise ships, the Tie Fighters, yep. and all that. I was like, huh, that's actually kind of cool. It's actually really fun. You know, it, you have the you know the music kind of. You know, playing back from the original trilogy, you mm-hmm. have, you know, Han doing something, and you have Becca, you know, to, you know, shooting the gun from the original trilogy from A New Hope. Yeah, which, which that's fun. So yeah, I, I really do, li- and especially like the maneuvers that the Millennium Falcon does yep. through that. Boink. Oh yeah, you know, flies you know upside down, all that kind of stuff. Like I really like that. I think that's a lot of fun, and it shows the the Falcon, you know, at its best a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. especially the best in this film. So I do really like that. Uh, I think this thing kind of, you know, I like that this movie tries to do different genres that we mm-hmm. haven't seen in a Star Wars film before. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's a heist film. You can definitely mm-hmm. tell like, you know, they do a couple heists in this film. It's a smuggler film. Underground. Yeah. Dirty. All that stuff. The crime. Grimey. The crime lord and the crime world. Yeah. And they try to do a little bit of a Western. Yeah. Although I wish they did a little bit more than just a couple uh, seeing a couple yeah. shots of you know how it looks like a classic western, but mm-hmm. but you know uh, like I appreciated them at least trying to do different genres instead of just doing a standard Star Wars film, you know, trying mm-hmm. to make it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like when they try to do moments where they try to develop the characters a little bit, like. I feel like with uh, Han and Kira, like, that's kind of a little interesting, like, especially, like, in the beginning, like, when, you know, they're on Corellia and stuff, like, they, like, they try to, you know, develop character growth a little bit, you know, in that, and there's, there's a couple scenes here and there, like, like a scene where Han kind of talks about his parents, like, and we're starting to get a little bit of, 
his character growth a little bit mm-hmm. and for other characters and stuff like I, I and like the one scene with Chewie you know with him trying to save his you know kind when they're on Kessel like they try to do moments where they try to develop their characters a little bit you yeah. know I wish that they had done it more but mm-hmm. I at least appreciate them at least trying a little bit you know what I mean yep but um and I, I guess I could, I'll mention a couple more. Yeah. Um, I, I do like um, some some callbacks to, to this film that they do. Because mm-hmm. this film is heavy with callbacks. Yeah, it is. Uh, really heavy. Mm-hmm. But, but there's some that I think work. Like, uh, you know, the, they mentioned at the end of the movie about tattooing. You know, yep. like it talks about he's going to tattooing for a job. Like, that's kind of... Yep. That's cool. Because, you know, we're, you know, in episode four, they're going to end up on tattooing. So that's a nice callback to the original trilogy. And I, you know, my big complaint about episode four was a special edition change of Han not shooting first. Yep. I love that he shoots first in this Han film. Han shoots first. Because Han shot first. <laughs> I'm sorry, George, but Han shot first. Yeah. That, uh, that that was cool. That, that that just made me happy in theaters. Makes me happy now. Yeah. So I was like, it's an homage. I, when I watched it in theaters, like it's saying, it's kind of like to all the fans, like to the fan base that knows that Han shot first is kind of like like maybe it's not maybe disrespecting George because I don't think Ron made it to disrespect George no I don't but, think so but kind of be like you originally created it to be Han shot first mm-hmm. we're gonna film it like the original cut yeah. of episode 4 and fans can take it as being a big middle finger to George Lucas if they want to yeah. but you know it's it's there if you want it to and be and it's but classic it Han yeah. so it fits yeah, it fits for his character that was originally established in A New Hope. But we won't get there. We already talked about enough in A New Hope. Or you can just believe and just not accept that canon and just believe that he shoots first. Yeah, that, that too, which I know there's people that are like that. Because it doesn't change anything. Or does it? <laughs> or does it, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a debate for another time. Mm-hmm. So so there are some cool callbacks that, that I do like um, in there, so that is kind of cool. And there are some cool shots that I do mm. like. Like there's this one, like when Han is going to play Lando for the first time on the, on Sabacc, like he just stands there kind of like how Harrison Ford would kind of stand there, you know, like, like with his waist down, you see the gun yep. on his hip and stuff. Love like that I, shot. I, I do like that. That's a cool shot. Mm-hmm. And I do like another one where it's kind of similar like that, where he's mm-hmm. standing off with, you know, the, the group, the group of kids, I, f- I forget what they're called, but towards the end of the film and he just stands there he he unholsters his gun patch you know his oh, blaster yeah, yeah. patch it kind of reminds me of a western kind of like how you have that standoff you know between the good guy and the bad guy yeah i i think that's a cool shot so there are some cool shots and 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 the movie is kind of shot you know pretty decently you yeah. know like, like there are some good shots in in solo which i did kind of like yeah so i thought that was kind of cool mm-hmm. but, but do you have any other uh positives um yeah um, I like it's the first time ever we hear or we kind of I don't know how to really phrase it but in this movie we hear the Empire uh, theme as the official theme of the Empire um, as like the official recruiting theme which I just like that little nod to like join the join the Empire then it plays the little like on the thing, it plays the Empire theme, and it's kind of cool that in universe that is the theme that the characters hear to know as the Empire. 
Yeah, well, I always thought that as Darth Vader's theme, not necessarily the Empire. Because mm-hmm. at least an Empire, every time you heard that theme, Darth Vader was always nearby. Or it always seemed like a menacing threat. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can take it as the Empire, I guess. I, I just always assumed it was Darth Vader. I mean, that, that's an, obviously another callback to, you know, New Hope and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um, I like that the troopers look good, but they look like episode four. Yeah, I did appreciate that. Like, they at least made it seem like it was, like, set in the time period of mm-hmm. A New Hope a little bit. Yeah. Like, the classic stormtroopers that we see, like, raining the Death Star in A New Hope. Yeah. Like, they at least pay attention to that kind of detail. Yeah, and in, cool. in the desert, and the mud, like, they look good for whatever their area that they're in. But they also look like they could be from the original a little bit. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it looks a little more sparkly. It looks that people can actually move in them and not get their head bunked on the so, ceiling. Yeah, but like, it still kind of makes it. It makes me feel. It feels like an original, OG. Like those are OG stormtroopers. It doesn't feel like they're Disney twenty eighteen stormtroopers. Yeah, it feels like they're OG stormtroopers, which yeah. I like that. Right, harken back to the original design. That's yep. that's really cool. Um. I like the Mimban war feel that it kind of goes to for that two-minute segment that you just see the battle between these Mimban rebels versus the Empire, and you see this commander being like, yo, from the Empire, do oh, it. The beginning you see of the, the film, yeah. You see the dropping of the, um, oh, man, what is that ship called that they dropped in there? Um, the two-legged... Um, Are you talking about AT-AT? Yeah, the two-legged AT-AT. I'm not sure if it actually is AT-AT. But it, it looks it, it like reminded the me of what we saw in yep. Return of the Jedi and Endor, and just the it kind of reminds and kind of like in the foxholes and the mud and it was kind of it's kind of cool to kind of see a different type of war feel a little bit, um, and kind of the idea that not everyone kind of quickly like submitted to the Empire until Episode Four when you hear that the Senate's been disbanded and the Empire's going to have governors rule over the territories. That even after three, that there's still some fight that some people don't want the Empire to take over their planet mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, um, and uh, this is just this is just really small things, but they're gonna seed into movies that already came out. They do mention uh, Scarif, which is very cool that they mention Scarif. They just kind of blow by it, but it's kind of like mentioned that like we're not gonna go to Scarif. Of course we're not. It's you it would be stupid to go to Scarif. It's so heavily guarded. We're going to watch a movie where they're going to go to Scarif. So it's going to be... It's, it's interesting that um, Scarif gets main-dropped. Um, that there's uh, Mandalorian armor in the background. There's, like, a Sith hologram in the background. Like, it, those aren't any things that are out of the grade to this movie. It's just history that's kind of very intriguing. Why this character... Uh, Adros... Vadendros, or whatever his name is, like... Yeah. Takes all these relics and keeps them. You know, he has a skull that kind of homage Indiana Jones and to <laughs> hire some Ford homage and all this stuff. And I actually do want to... I, I want to know what his take of this movie was. Apparently, he probably approved of it, but if he liked it a lot or not. I know George Lucas was on set during the production of the film. Like, he came on set one day, and I think he helped Ron Howard through his scene. Mm. I think it was the scene where... Han and Kira are in the closet room, I think, mm. when they're talking. I think he helped with that. I'm not 100% sure, but I know he at least came on set for a day. Yeah. Which I think was kind of cool for everyone. Like, that would have been cool. You know, yeah. if I was directing a Star Wars film, it'd be cool to have the original guy come and give me tips. Apparently, but, they all do. Just depends how much they listen to him. So. Well, yeah. We'll talk more about that when we get to Force Awakens. But, <laughs> yes, I, I hear you. Um, 
12 parsecs. We actually get to see Han do the, uh, what is the run? The um, Kessel Run. Kessel Run in 12 parsecs in this movie. Well, that's if you round down. That's if you round down. Which is classic Han to round down and then to uh, brag about how well he did when he didn't do as well. You know, in 7, he's a, grank, he's a cranky old man. And they're like, isn't this a castle that made a run in 14? He's like, 12, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> you uh-huh. know. Old man Harrison Ford. Then... Then this one, they're like, you can't do it in 20. Then he does it in 12. So, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's, like, that we're going to get to talking about if this movie, you know, is absolutely necessary. I don't know if you should have done the Kessel run in the first one. But then again, they kind of had to because this is the last solo movie that's ever going to be made. Well, they didn't know that at the time. We know that now. (laughs) And knowing that now, you can't leave out the Kessel Run if you're going to do a solo movie. If we're going to watch Solo, we want to see one of his his most exciting stories of all time, which he brags about, which is the Kessel Run. And I think they do a good job in it, in this, you know. It's not exactly what I thought it was the Kessel Run was about. When I watched 4, I thought the Kessel Run was actually like a NASCAR race. But apparently it's a mission that they go on, and they have to go on a Kessel Run, so... Uh, just, just imagine more pod races. Yeah. <laughs> Kessel Run's really a pod race. Yep. Psych. Now, we were talking about this, and this isn't a high, but this is a nitpick kind of a high when it comes to Han Solo's blaster. Oh, here we go. Now, I don't... I, I understand where you're coming from. I understand, and I respect your view, and I very much... In, in a sense, agree. We don't need... I'm glad they don't have the jacket. Because if they had the jacket, that, that was overkill. <laughs> yeah, and that'd all be... That, all even more far. Yeah. But they very much make it a heavy hand. And that's one of my... Going to be a weakness there. That they have almost all his accessories. Even the chain of the dice and all of that stuff that he has. Which, out of the blaster or the dice... The blaster is more needed probably than the dice. But the like, dice feels like it's a main character in the film. <laughs> yeah. And no one noticed it until Last Jedi. This is the kind of movie that even everything, your highs, your weaknesses, and your questions roll in together. I don't think you can separate it because as soon as I say a high, there comes up like a weakness. So like I enjoy that the blaster does it's it's given to him and it's given from Beckett. So now you can say in the originals that Blaster does have a little bit of a story to it. It's Beckett, the person that started him on this journey of being a smuggler, handed him his gun. That's a classic Conchelo gun. I know it's not needed, but, <laughs> yeah. if, but if you can't, and this is kind of an ad bit, if you play Battlefront 2, you can't see what I'm doing, but what happens if, if you ever play as Han Solo, because you get to choose your character, and Han Solo, you know, he gets out of his gun and classes like, bang, 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 you know. Any Han's solo stance, that's pretty much what this, the video game looks like. But the gun is not like a classic, like, like a classic rifle that you would do in like a World War II game, you know? It's a scoped gun that you have to see out of a scope, which isn't really, it's a pistol though. That doesn't make any sense. Why does a pistol have a big scope on it, like a sniper? Like it shouldn't have a big scope, but it makes sense because the gun is an attachment and the gun is not actually a pistol. It's a larger, like, sniping gun that has attachments and dividing things to it. So, and the way it sounds is kind of like, that sounds really heavy for just a pistol shot. So, 
So you're saying the movie helps explain a video game better. It helps me explain a video game better. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's pretty much what I'm saying. Other than that, I'm agree. We don't need a backstory on a gun. But it explains why that gun that my brother always chooses Han Solo, why he can shoot me from 100 yards away with a pistol. Because it has a sniper's uh, radar thing on the front of it. And it's like... I, I don't know. It's okay. You know. okay. I respect your view on that. <laughs> okay. I I totally understand because that's where I would be if I didn't been so upset about how many times Han Solo's beat me on Battlefront Two. <laughs> uh-huh, so that is coming back into play. It's always about Battlefront Two. Okay. Then another thing which is very interesting that I've heard uh, some of the people some of the people I follow and hear about this movie is that I know this movie does does not know that it's. We're going to talk about... I'm going to talk about Maul here in a second. But a small thing is... There are seeds in this that make it seem like it's Maul... That I should have picked up on. And knowing this... Now? I'm like, okay. Makes sense why it's Maul now. Kira... You might not know this, but Kira... Says that she knows Terracossi. I found out Terracossi... Is a type of action Jedi fighting... Which is from a game... From a terrible uh, Masters of uh, is it Masters of Terracossi? Masters of something. Your guess says good. It's an old. It's an old video game. I don't know. If it's from like the GameCube or it's an it's an old Star Wars game. Apparently, it was really bad, but they seeded that in here. But another thing is that they seeded in Clone Wars is that Darth Maul is a master of Terracossi, which Terracossi is a type of force. It's a type of a regular person fighting style, which helps you defend from force users. So that a regular person can use that style to negate any force ability. Which is very interesting if you think about like having a, like an ability that negates any force powers. And to know that Maul knows that, because he's such a great martial artist that we know in episode 1, he can teach other people how to negate if a Jedi comes their way, how to negate the force ability... And I know it's it's apparently really a crappy video game. That's why a lot of people like it. It's like, oh, that crappy video game has a nod to the Solo movie. But, like, the nod kind of does... And what is canon is that Maul does know that move. And he does teach Beckett, who Beckett teaches her. So, since I now know that and I watched this movie, she can take the guy down in the Spice Mine and use that move and... Dryden taught her, then who taught Dryden? It would be Maul. And it kinda is like, who else would have taught these people how to fight in a very creative way and know how to defend against the Jedi? Like, Boba Fett wouldn't know how to defend against a Jedi, but Maul knows how to defend against a Jedi. And Maul would train his lieutenants and his successors to know how to stop Force users. And I'm, I'm gonna get on him right now. Past this, Terracossi, very interesting. Darth Maul shows up. Formerly Darth. He does. Now just Maul, as he says in Rebels. So, like, Maul's in this movie. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah. That shocked me when I saw it in theaters. Did, yeah. Did not expect it. I, I enjoy that Maul's in this movie. It could be anyone, but what, what I like is because I have not watched a ton. But I've definitely watched a good 50 to 100 episodes of Clone Wars. And he's in there. And not like his character in Star Wars is one of the best characters. It's not going to make top 20. <laughs> but 
What I like is that one of the best characters is in episode one. That is Darth Maul. Darth Maul gets cut short in episode one. He could have been used in more. He could have, yeah. But he got mauled, you know, (laughs) hence his name. And then he comes back in Clone Wars, right? And yes, it's kind of confusing if you kind of keep track that we never see him again in another theatrical movie. But I like it, one, that we actually have not just um, like a top-down economic system where the movies do something, then if we don't like it, they go to TV shows. But to have something in a TV show come up to a movie hardly ever happens. So it can cause people to be confused or it can cause them to go back into the TV show and see what did I miss. So, like, knowing all the information that I know about how Maul becomes a crime lord is very interesting because he tries all of this to get back at Sidious. He's trying to get this group of criminals to join him so he gains underground power so eventually he could take the Empire again because he knows who's ruling it. But the problem is Darth Vader's right there. And he's protecting the Empire and all that stuff. And Maul never gets to it. And Maul's overall ending story is to deal with Kenobi. But, like, I I like that it's Maul. And I also like that they combined, they got, they got the actor back. Did it, did him in one. And it's the voice actor that did him in two. Yeah. In, in the Clone Wars. So it's like, the best parts of Clone, uh, Maul that people loved were the voice acting in Clone Wars and the lightsaber choreography of uh, Ray Park. They combined them, and that's what we see on screen. I don't think you need the lightsaber. but oh, it, lightsaber's stupid. It just makes people remember that it's Darth Maul, but how would you not know? Because of the horns. You're right. And, so. and the red and black makeup Yeah, that you should remember from someone. So, and he just looks older, you know. Um, and I think he's technically the same age as Obi-Wan. Or is he younger? I'm not I, sure I, I what no the idea. canon thing is. But um, I think he's about the same age. And this is a couple of years after three. So however old Maul is, if you could ever find that information out in his 50s or 40s, um, that's how old Obi-Wan is at the time. Which it has to be in his 50s if you think about how old Obi-Wan is. problem is Alec Guinness is way old for how old Obi-Wan actually is in, in four. But... Um, I like that Darth Maul's in it. I know Darth Maul's story ends and we don't get to finish it all. But at this point, when you watch this movie, until we now know that they're not making a Kenobi movie, like, I feel like they were going to do something with this. Like, to seed Solo for a Solo 2, yeah. seed a Fett movie, seed a Kenobi movie, have Maul in there, and to have, like, a underground um, smugglers trilogy. I feel like that's what they were kind of doing with that seed there with Maul and Kira at the end that she's not finished yet. I think for at least Solo 2. Yeah. But since how the box office did and stuff, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I don't know but, if you like it well, if, or if you have any more highs. The thing but. is, is I'm, I'm torn between that. Because on one hand, yeah, the fanboy inside of me was like, oh yeah, this is Maul, you know, it's I'm Maul. Maul from episode 1. Yep. But then, as soon as I got done seeing that, and just thinking how, stu- well, watching it this time, seeing how stupid it is that he brings up the lightsaber, which really, do you need He's that? He's like, <laughs> why? I mean, does he do that every time he has a conversation with someone, just brings out the lightsaber? I mean, it's to threaten her, but he doesn't need to do the lightsaber. Yeah, I mean, the look is threatening enough. Yeah. I mean, he looks like he, I don't know, he looks so threatening already. But I'm torn because of 
uh, just thinking about it from what you said about, like, they didn't explain it in another film. Mm -hmm. I get it. They explained it in the Clone Wars and stuff. I understand, and that's a tie to Clone Wars and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I do appreciate what you said. I'm just thinking, I I thought of other people in the audience. Oh, yeah. Where I was like, because I watched it with my dad. Yeah. And I've only seen a few episodes of Clone Wars in my life. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know about Maul and stuff, so I wasn't, you know, shocked. Like, what? Maul's back? How? But, I mean, I I knew he came came back. Like, I know people, my mom and other people, like, my brother kind of was at, when I watched it together with him in the theaters, he was asking how Maul survives. But with other people that I know that know this history, they love it. So, like, I feel that's the issue. Is that if you kept in track, you love it. But most yeah. people haven't watched a kids' yeah. TV show, so, so, so they're not going to understand. Yeah, so most people would be confused. Like I think, well, unless you add some more information, which they didn't. Yeah, like, it's just an Easter egg. Yeah, like if they really cared, you know, they would know. Like my dad, mm-hmm. my, I, I'm sorry, Dad, if you're listening to this, but my dad doesn't ask these kind of questions <laughs> when he watches a movie. He's basically <laughs> just like, yeah, that was fine. Like, yeah. oh, that was cool. That was Darth Maul. So he wouldn't have those questions. But somebody else who was into just the movies, you know, would be like, how does Darth Maul come back? Wait, what? Mm-hmm. How, how is this possible? You know, so I, I'm just thinking on behalf of those people that would have been confused mm-hmm. and making it seem like, like you have to watch a TV show in order to understand how this happens and stuff. Because you have all the knowledge of the, clone, obviously the Clone Wars and stuff, which is why you have all the insight as to like the background of Maul and stuff and mm-hmm. everything. But for people who don't, like, that may be a little confusing. So that's my hindrance. Why I could kind of see that as a negative at the same time. While it is cool, I could kind of see that as a negative as well, just for people that may not necessarily understand about Maul or his history and stuff. Just may be confused about him more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of my, my thing about it. Like, that's why I'm kind of torn between it. You yeah. Know? Yeah, you have anything else? That's all of my eyes. Uh, no, I think I... I think I got most of mine okay. out of the way. Um, you want to move on to weaknesses? I guess we can do it. Okay. And, well, I already got my one of my weaknesses out of the way about Mole coming back. Okay. A little bit uh, as a weakness. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I, I didn't like it at, <laughs> at the time, but I, I still don't really like it. The Imperial Officer gives Han Solo I, his name. I, oh, my word. That's so dumb. You know what I would like... I like, and I, I, I've heard this from another person reviewing this movie, and I agree. I think his name should have been Han, and Solo, even if you have it that he doesn't have a last name, Solo is either, that is his last name, which that would be fine, his name's Han Solo. Why do we need a backstory on why his name's Solo? Or he creates it. Like, his name is Han, and they're like, last name, he's like, Solo. That All least, right, Han Solo, you're moving on, you know? Why least, does an Imperial officer give him uh, the name Solo? As a joke. Yeah. And he uh, sticks with it for the rest of his life. Yeah. And he and goes he, by the nickname Solo. So and that's how his son is named after him, his lineage. The movie's title is made up. Uh-huh. <laughs> From an Imperial officer, there's no special meaning to it. Uh, uh, that's so dumb. They, they should have found a way to handle that better. Yeah. Instead of just like, hmm, I'm going to call you Solo because you're by yourself. <laughs> I made a pun. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> uh, well, it just, I don't know, it doesn't feel, that doesn't feel like he's respecting the character of Han in episode four when he's like, 
I'm Han Solo, Captain of the Millennium Falcon. This is my first mate, Chewie. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a man that's confident in who he is and his entire name and what he just said. Yeah. This is like, name, Han. Last name, who's your people? I don't have any. Han Solo. Good luck, Han Solo. And it's like, that's not the character that was like, I'm Han Solo, Captain of the Millennium Falcon. That was just cool and very, like, very, just awesome in the way that he said it. I, just, I don't like it at all. Yeah, it, it's stupid. Because why would he keep that name? Especially yeah. since he, you know, he, he deserts the Imperials. He deserts mm-hmm. the Empire. He's on his own. Mm-hmm. So why would he keep something that the Imperials gave him? Like, I don't know. That, that, that's just dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Um, but, but yeah, that, that, that was one. Uh, I did mention this a little bit, but I can touch on it a little bit more. Um, I... I feel that there's too many callbacks in this film. Yeah. Like, to me, I think you need to have a balance of callbacks and original stuff. Mm-hmm. And some films do it pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, some, you know, do a little bit more, but we can accept it. There'll be a film coming up that we'll review that I, I can accept the too many callbacks. But this film, I just I just feel like there's, like, too much that are just kind of unnecessary. Like, like when... Beckett, when they're raiding, you know, the castle, he wears the episode six outfit. Yeah. Like, do we really need that callback? Like, that that's, that's a little overkill. Mm-hmm. Like, he has that, that outfit in his closet for, what, 20 years or so when Lando uses it. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't know. That was a little much. And obviously, we talked about Maul's lightsaber. And just, just a couple, that's, you know, there's just a little too many callbacks for me where it just, you know... It, it can get to the point where it feels like, oh, you're just only pandering to fans. You're not trying to do mm. something new with the story. You're just focusing on, hey, look what we did earlier. Look at our past films and how good they were mm-hmm. instead of trying to do stuff that is original to the story. That's where that's that's my fear of too many callbacks. That's how that can get to the other effect. Mm. I'm not saying you don't need callbacks. I love callbacks as much as the next guy, and I think you do need callbacks. If you have too too little callbacks, and it's just like, oh, you don't really respect the trilogy that much or respect what came before. So that's why I think you need a fine line of mm. callbacks. I think this movie went a little overboard on the callbacks, okay. which is kind of my my thing about it. I would agree. I like some. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, I'm, I mentioned some that I like, like Han shooting first, mm-hmm. and, you know, oh, what was another one I mentioned? About the Tatooine line, and, and the music yeah. with the Kelsel run. Like, there's some callbacks that I do like. Yeah. It's just there's a little too many of them, mm-hmm. you know, that, that can kind of, that brings it down a little bit for me. I like the call, I don't know if you like it, but a bunch of, I like the call, uh, callback of, I hate you, I know. I like that callback. Yeah, it's, it's fine. So, uh, like... I didn't recognize it on my first watch, but when I recognized my second watch, people sitting next to me were like, that's a callback to episode five. That's awesome. Good to have that in there. I'm like, yeah, that's what that is. And it kind of shows his character, but then again, you could say it's too much for too, for not... Because the other problem I'm struck, stuck with with this is that either it's on a good line of showing us Han or it's showing us too much of Han. And it's like, this was Han all along. That's the problem with doing a backstory. You're saying, like, this person, you know, when she was like, you are a good person. You are the good guy. And I'm like, I I know he's a good guy in the originals. He's an awesome guy. But when we first meet him, he's not a good guy. He's like a suave, I don't know, just, he has a good heart, but 
He's not the good guy. That's Luke Skywalker. And even in 5, Luke is the good guy. I, I don't think he's still... I don't know. I don't know what she would... She just needs to say something else in that line. And yeah. I don't like it, you know? And I think that can be kind of the problem of telling prequel stories yeah. that may not be great. It's Especially with a character that... You it's know, so iconic. Oh. Exactly. Like, for instance, the prequel trilogy. Like, you, you want to know how Darth Vader turned to the dark mm-hmm. side and stuff. And that's why he did the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. But with Solo, Han Solo, do we really need the backstory of this character? Like, I always liked in the original trilogy how he didn't really have a backstory. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was kind of mysterious, this cool loner and stuff. And the thing about this is that it kind of makes him a little less cool. You know, I mean, he still is cool. You know, he still, yeah. This movie didn't tarnish his reputation at all no. or anything. But it takes away that mysteriousness about Han Solo, that, that you know, that, that mystery about him, like who this guy is and how cool he is, because you don't really know much about him. He just kind of shows up, you know, in episode four out of nowhere, like like a bunch of characters do without really knowing their backstory. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, no, ma- no matter how good the film is, would ruin that a little bit. That's kind of how I feel here, you know. It kind of ruins him a little bit, but yeah. it's, it's still great stuff. Yeah, and that's my other weakness. My my biggest weakness is the solo name. Secondary weakness is, uh, and I have I have this question, but this question is more to you. Okay. What is a more necessary movie? But before we get to that question of the two movies I'm going to talk about, I don't think this movie is super necessary. Okay. You can go to the door. Okay. You mean like as far as people being in them right now, or just yeah, like just rooms or like because I there was this project I have to do for personal life administrator where it's like the two days of solitude. Oh, I can't find any. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about that, because I know there, I mean, I know that there's, I know at least Alec has, like, gone for the weekend, and and there's, like, other, I'm sure there's probably a couple people that are gone for the weekend, but I'm not really sure, like, as far as rooms, like, what would be available, because you have to do the solitude assignment, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what, if, I have to figure out, I don't know if Daniel's gone for the weekend, if he is, he's my roommate. Commercial break. Yeah. If not, I just need to find some place. And Joe Men over in Losher was like, oh, there's places down there, but you have to ask the dorm director. And I've been really busy, and I just got back. And I'm like, I don't even know if he's awake right now. So I, like, and I don't want to just go over and be like, hey, is there room? Right. I don't want to just pull a Joseph and Mary, like, being like, I need a place to stay. Um, But... I mean, I would maybe check with you and see if you know be okay. Maybe you know be able to do an Alex for the stuff. Like he told me he was gone for the weekend. Uh, that's a possibility I can think of. But I would, I would maybe maybe he or she go around. Uh, he's Hamer. He, he's RA on um, board. Like, like maybe that. But you can also talk with Jimmy. You know, he might, right. he might think of something else too. I can't really think of right now because I think Jimmy might also be sick for the weekend. So I wish I could help you out more. That's fine. And just the fact that. I try to help you guys. Yeah. Even though you're not my guy, you're one of Penny Cross. Yeah. Always help out. Thank you very much. Hey, no problem. Man. 
It was just a commercial break. I announced it. Yeah, we're back. Hunter was just being a good RA. That was all. Yeah, I, I was trying to be. I was trying to answer a call. <laughs> I'm there like Batman, only not quite. <laughs> trying to switch gears to a different universe. <laughs> but I know you feel the same way about if the movie's necessary or not. But, uh, yeah. um, I feel like, like I was saying in this movie when we were watching it, out of all the Star Wars figures, all the characters I want a movie about, he's probably fifth on my list. Mm-hmm. When you watch the original trilogy, you know, or if you even watch the prequels and if you want to have a prequel about Yoda or something. But Solo's not on the top of my list. Not Han. Oh, because Han is so good and that you don't know his backstory. Maybe it would be interesting to explore it, you know, maybe in a TV series or something like that. Yeah. But saying that you can have a two-hour movie and this is kind of what we have, it's my my kind of second weakness is kind of like the story isn't really anything compelling. Yeah. You don't need to get attached to any of the original crew that he has, because they all die. Even Beckett dies. Yeah. Yeah, they, they don't survive this movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you had a Disney Plus series, you know, you could spread it out over eight, ten episodes, or yep. however long you want to, mm-hmm. and it could feel more natural. Whereas, okay, we're going to introduce basically everything Han Solo has in mm-hmm. a two-hour movie, mm-hmm. which kind of... I mean, I, I know this takes... Well, even if it does take place over days, it's still like... So everything that defines this character is going to be explained in days. In this two-hour production, yeah. Yes, which probably took place over days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of is very far-fetched. So the question is for you. Is this movie more needed than, than episode, episode one? I knew you were going to ask that. I knew you were going to. Uh, okay, I, I kind of thought about this myself because I know I made the claim about episode one not really being necessary. Yeah. And... I will say... Is epi- it more needed than episode one? Episode one... Sh- okay, he- here's my thought process. Episode one should be important. Okay. It should be important because it starts the prequel trilogy and it should start the journey of Anakin mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It should have importance. The problem is the movie itself doesn't feel important with all the detours it goes on. Or, as George Lucas called it in episode one documentary, the jazz. You know, it's just smooth jazz. It's just follow the rhythm and Might stuff. Might have gone too far in this one. Well, he, he did. <laughs> you did, George. Don't worry about that. But is this movie... Then that then this movie is more necessary? Well, it's, I'm saying it should be. But Solo, like, like you really... I, I would say you, you should know the story of Anakin and mm-hmm. how he originated and stuff. But Solo, I I really didn't want Solo. Mm-hmm. I didn't really need Solo. And I still kind of feel that way after watching it this time. Mm-hmm. But episode one, it it's tough because it goes into so much of a detour. And so I mean, it does introduce some stuff that does, you know, play throughout the trilogy and stuff. At least it's not a, a one-off film. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you want to give I, you want to hear my perspective on this? Sure, why not? I think this movie is less necessary than Episode One, but I think the problem we have is this movie is so much better than Episode One. It's out of the water better. Yeah, but it's so more, so much less necessary than Episode One is because Episode One is so necessary. I mean, the movie itself isn't really right. you know such a great story, but. It is, like, how does Anakin get to know the Jedi? How does he get to know Obi-Wan? All that mm-hmm. stuff. That, Except it's just that, not as good exactly. as this. That's what I'm trying to get at. It should be necessary, but mm-hmm. the way it's structured makes it feel very unnecessary. 
Which is why it's far more disappointing than Solo, mm -hmm. because at least Solo, you know, at least it has some fun stuff and some good performances like we talked about, whereas, mm -hmm. you know, Episode 1, to me, has very little positive and a lot of, you know, not only bad acting, but also just unnecessary plot points mm -hmm. and characters and all that stuff that really goes nowhere, whereas it should have set up this trilogy very nicely and stuff. I mean, we even talked about in our episode one podcast about ways that we could change it in order to make it necessary. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Like, Solo has done a lot better, whereas it feels more necessary, even though we can... I think we both can... I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards the idea that Solo is... I think it's less, the most unnecessary Star Wars movie we've made. I, I completely we, they've agree. Made. Like, you could say, no, Rogue One's not necessary. We don't hear that story. But I think... It is. It's a very interesting story that and, I would love we'll to. We'll talk more about that when we review it next yeah. week. But with this, like, it really doesn't tell you anything new you already didn't know about Han Solo. Because you can even go into Episode Four and say, "I want to explore why they have the Death Star plans. How did that occur?" But no one goes out of even the original trilogy and saying, "I want a Han Han Solo backstory movie." Uh huh. Like, that's yeah. my second biggest critique, is that. Like, I don't think this movie is necessary at all. I, you could totally yeah. skip it. And your your life would not change one bit. Yeah, you would not gain anything from Han Solo mm -hmm. except learn all his decor and how he got so famous. Whereas Phantom Menace, I mean, it's it's mostly unnecessary. I mean, you would miss a couple things, you know, if you skipped episode one, obviously, yeah. with Qui-Gon and other things they set up, you know. With the mom and everything, mm -hmm. but at least with Solo, like like you said, you can skip this movie entirely, and it doesn't really change much on your influence of the original trilogy and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I think we had it on that for a little bit. I, I, th I think we did. I want to move on to my, one of my other weaknesses, okay. which is the person of Kira. Oh, uh, yeah. Um... I mean, it's it's better than Natalie Portman, but uh, yeah, I just well, I, that that's not really a high bar to reach, just so you know. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know, I don't know. There's something that I don't really like having Han have a love interest before seeing Leia, like not because I don't like I I don't know, I I'm not a believer of the, you know, there's one chosen person for everybody, but it's just that I feel like. Kira and Han, uh, Leia are so different personalities. Why would Han fall in love with this far example than the next far example? Like, I feel like Han would have a, you know... Like, Han in the original seems like he likes the girls that are, like... Like, that don't push over. Like, mm -hmm. they're, they're strong, independent women. You know, get out of my way. Get all this walking, you know, carpet out of my way. Yeah. You know, what she says in Ford, that's what endears Han to her. Not someone that is like a old girl, a high school girlfriend, which seems what Kira is. That yeah. turns into be like a lieutenant for the mob boss. So I don't really I, like Kira that much. I think had they explored her more with Han, I mm -hmm. think we could have grown to have liked her. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I appreciate them trying to do something different, like trying to explore Han's character through that relationship. It's just that they really do nothing with her because mm -hmm. they have that scene in the beginning with her and stuff, you know, before they get separated. And then she comes out of nowhere, you know, when he meets the boss of Crimson Dawn. And then she's just a part of the ride until the end when she, we realize, oh, she's like, you know, working with Maul and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, we really don't get much with them. Like you say, you, you just get this high school romance. Mm 
and it just doesn't really go anywhere. Like, it has potential to go somewhere, but the movie just doesn't because... I'll get to one of my negatives in a minute, but mm-hmm. it's just more focused on telling us how God, how Han Gai's accessories versus how he advances as a character. Mm-hmm. You know, there are scenes where it does a little bit, but yeah. not a whole lot. Yep. So I think had had they done because she's she's all right. I mean, she's she, she, she's fine. Like I, uh, it's a thing. Like I I don't really love her I, or like her. I don't hate her either. It's mm-hmm. just kind of that weird middle ground that I just I, I don't quite know what to make of her. Yeah. And so I like I said, had they developed her more, had they given her more time with Han and stuff. And maybe if we had a sequel to this, maybe she could have been more relevant or stuff. But from what we've given, she really kind of does nothing, even though the park kind of seems like she should be something important, yeah. at least to Han. Yep, you can go on with more of your weaknesses. I only have one left, and you're probably going to hit on it. Well, I'll probably talk about her right now. <sighs> L3. Oh, yes, that's what it is. She is awful. Ugh. Like, okay, here's the thing about droids in Star Wars. They should be awesome. Yeah. 3PO and R2, they're awesome. Yep. Even though I did talk about 3PO and uh, Episode 5 as being a little bit too, you know, jokey and stuff. He, he's, he's great. He's, he's, he's fine. Yeah, he, yeah he, he's great. And look, it's another droid in Rogue One that's amazing. Oh, yes. But in this movie, like, they try to do something different with this droid that mm-hmm. wasn't 3PO, that wasn't, you know, the droid in Rogue K- One. K2SO. Yeah, K- uh, K2SO. But, like, they, L3, they, yep. Yeah, they wanted to do something different with her. And, well, first off, they made the, that droid a female. Yep. Which, I guess, okay. I didn't realize droids were male or female, I guess, but... Okay. Um, not only that, but they make her, you know, this droid advocate kind of person that stands up for droids' rights and yep. stuff. Hashtag droids' rights is everything she says. It's the thing about Star Wars... Is it, that we get... We want to watch a movie that's outside of our world. Instead of bringing our world to Star Wars. No one was asking for an LGBTQ leftist robot. I'm sorry. I I wasn't. You can either say, leftists could say she's progressing and like she's, you know, she's actually interesting. Star Wars actually brings our world and this idea of freeing people, freeing robots and having free will make your own decisions. But I'm like... Yeah, you could just do that a whole lot better than just saying, like, freedom! You know, yeah. this is what I was called for, uh-huh. Lando, you know? Free and, the droids! And, and it'd be one thing if she was, like, sincere and, like, I don't know, kind about it. She's just all sassy mm-hmm. and, and, like, she owns the place kind of attitude. Equal rights? Uh, she's and she uh, the line that made me groan the most, and I literally yell Ugh, is when they're at the battle right before she dies, and she yells freedom, and I just like ah why and and it not, causes the empire to show up. Yeah, it's all her fault. Mm-hmm. And the well, the weirdest part is you know Lando mm-hmm. falling in love with her. Yeah. Cuz for those of you who don't know, Lando is technically pansexual in the Star Wars universe. Officially. A, a retcon, yes, yes, but you know that's a Star Wars canon now. Yep. And they have the plot line, you know, it's not really touched on too much, but it is there of Lando having a thing for his droid. And you know, she says, you know, you know Kira asks, you know, well how does that work? She's like, it works. And it just it just doesn't feel right like I, I don't want to think about the possibility of a human or alien creature with a droid being together like that's just 
that's just a little too much in a Disney film. Mm-hmm. Well, not just a you know Disney film, Star Wars film. That I don't really want to explore that, and that's just a weird kind of thing with that character that just made me kind of turn off on her. It's like mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I want to even think about you with a human or something. Yeah. So I don't know. I didn't like her at all. I was so happy when they killed her off. I should have been like Lando, thinking, "No, why?" Yeah. You know, do the you know the start the year. No. But instead, I was like, yes, we got rid of her. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And what makes those other droids best, I think, are that they get along with the main cast yeah. of characters that you're following and that their comedic timing works and they're funny. Mm-hmm. She is not at all funny. Not no. even at the scene where, like, I see you watching me. Like, that's not funny. Like, to me, no. that's not funny. That's kind of weird. And, like makes her seem like she's worried about how people perceive her and like Mm -hmm. that maybe they're perceiving her in a sexual way you know like let me do this and it's just like i don't know who to blame on this but i just don't like it we can't even see her eyes like we were watching it this time we were trying to figure out like what what where are her eyes yeah like I, i get it at the end when she dies like okay those were her eyes but you know, if, if you can't really know how she looks like on the face, and mm-hmm. just even her body language when I see her walk, it's just kind of weird. Like, it's just a weird character that they tried to shoehorn in because, A, every Star Wars film has a droid character in it, mm-hmm. and, B, they try to do something different with that character, which I appreciate them trying to do something different, but it just didn't work. It made Lando officially pansexual. Which I... Which, when George came out with the character, I think the only... I mean, I know Disney has all right. They have the characters now. But I think when it comes to the original characters that he created in 4, 5, and 6 that they now have rights to, they shouldn't do so much touching. That's why I have a problem with Luke Skywalker. Like, that is George's character. You might have control, but there's original fans that love that character the way he does. If you do that too much, you might get fans upset. Same thing with Lando or Han. If you do stuff that's his character, even though you own it, you tune it too much, that's not what George wanted. He did not see uh, the, is it Low? I forget what it's called, the droid that oh. he... Um, you talking about Lobot? Lobot. Like, that makes it seem that maybe him and Lobot have a sexual relationship. Because now, pansexual means you can work with anything. Like, you're sexually attracted to male, female, bisexual, a male, neuter, animal, you, animal anything. robot. So, like... But you don't get that. Billy Dee's his character of Lando yeah. seems to be like all about Leia, all yeah, about very like. In episode five, you know, he doesn't even pay attention to three PO. Yeah. Whereas by that definition, he have could a problem have been with like, your droid. Ooh. Yeah, he's yeah, not like. No. Do you have a problem with your droid? No, uh-huh. he's like, um, you're so beautiful. Talking mm-hmm. to Leia, he's not there at mm-hmm. all. I just you'd, you'd fit right in with me in the city with the clouds. I feel like there's you know? some issue with Star Wars and these people. Kind of taking the and the same thing with Han, making a backstory about Han Solo. We don't need to know this stuff about Han. Like, George did not write that for you to have a backstory. George, I mean, even though you have you have all the right to change it, I know. Like, I can't stop you. But I think there should be some unwritten line that those are George's characters. If you touch them too much, they're going to get upset. And that's what people got upset about the and, pansexual And I think that's thing. why they played this movie too safe yeah Be- because they knew if they went too far from han how we knew him then fans would get outrageous like how dare you you know deal with han how dare you change him and mm-hmm. stuff which then i beg the question why even make the movie in the first place 
if they're going to have that issue to deal with. Yeah. But, yeah, L3, to, just to put a bow on that, L3 is bad. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so, so uh, I guess we already talked about a little bit, but, like, one of the things that I... I noticed it watching the movie for the first time, and I still notice it watching it here. Is the idea that this movie, like like I mentioned, doesn't really care about developing the character of Han. It cares more about telling us how he gets what he's iconic for in the original trilogy. Like I even mentioned to you, and I heard a reviewer explain to me this, or explain in a review I listened to this way, that just makes sense. It feels like a checklist. It feels like the filmmakers were taking a checklist of like, okay, what does Han need in a Han Solo film that we need to explain? We need to explain how he gets the blaster. Check. How he gets the Millennium Falcon. Check. How he meets Lando. Check. How he how he establishes the Han shooting first, which I, I did like, but it's probably on the list. Check. Like, it, uh, how, oh, even better. Yeah. How he gets the stupid dice that we're going to explain um, in Last Jedi. Check. Like, it, it just it feels like they have this checklist of trying to explain how he gets all this stuff that we know that they kind of laid to the wayside about how to establish this character, about how to get us to explore him a little bit more than how we did in the original trilogy. Yeah. And that, to me, kind of makes me feel like this film is kind of like a crash a cash grab. Mm-hmm. Like, had they tried to explore Han's character more, and I'm not saying not have him explore these things like i like that they introduced him to chewy and i like that they introduced the millennium falcon mm-hmm. but they try to do too much in this film where it feels like they're more focused on that and they don't really care about taking the opportunity to explore some things about han and have it kind of play out throughout the film mm-hmm. that's kind of my issue with it which is why i even question like why this film is even here yeah um so, <laughs> so i didn't really kind of like that and also just I hate to say this about a Star Wars film. I mean, Star Wars films, I generally like the action. The action generally is awesome. You know, I there's been a lot of action scenes that I've praised in, in a Star Wars film. But this film, I feel like, has the most bland action that I've seen in a Star Wars film. I felt it the first time I watched it, and I kind of still feel it here. Even though I've watched you know, it's my third time watching Solo... And I still like the Kessel Run. I cannot, you know, praise the Kessel Run enough. I, I think it is cool. But there's just some action scenes that I'm just not not feeling. Like, you know, the train heist. Like, that should be a cool scene that, that's super amazing and stuff. I'm just not necessarily feeling it as much. Like the end fight with, you know, um, uh, what, what's uh, Paul Bendy's character's name? Uh, Venom Dross. Oh, Dross. Dross, something like that. Okay, yeah. Like, like with Sim, Dross, and Kira. Like, I'm just not really feeling that action scene either. Like, yeah. I mean, I say the action isn't poorly executed and stuff. I mean, it's competently made and stuff. I mean, it's not, you know, terrible. It's not like they have terrible CGI or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just not feeling the excitement, the adrenaline kind of action that I get from Star Wars. Outside of one or maybe two action scenes, I, I I guess I do kind of like the the you know the chase in the beginning with Han and Kira like I that that's that's not too bad. But the rest of them just I don't know I it just doesn't excite me. Yeah. And I I want to be excited when I watch a Star Wars film. Instead, this movie just kind of feels like I mean it's it's giving us what we want in a Star Wars film. But I just every time I watch it, I just don't feel excited watching the action too much and i wish that they had found a way to make it more dynamic i guess than like the 
action scenes. Because, I mean, the last film we reviewed, Return Revenge of the Sith, I love that opening action sequence. Mm-hmm. Like, that action scene is awesome. I don't think an action scene in this film even comes close to how great that opening action scene is in this entire film. Mm. I just I just wish that they had done more to have made it better and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is all that all your weaknesses? Uh, that that's that's all I have. That's so all I had. So let's move on to some questions, and we'll give it our grade. All right. Um. I have to ask. You kind of mentioned it. Why does Han have dice? Is it like his lucky dice? I, I I can tell you the behind the scenes answer, but as far as the in the movie answer, we don't know. And I know why. Like, I don't know why he has them at the time, but I know why they want us to know that they're prevalent. Yeah, and they probably will come out up in episode nine as well, because they were so important in eight. But yeah. you're, again, you're making something that's in a movie so important when no one asked for a backstory it's, on dice it's a movie prop that, <laughs> it's a background prop in it's, seven i it's, mean in four that you barely see it, it's dice i mean that's someone that one of the production crew is like oh hey that'd be cool you know be like a hippies man from the 60s had we put these dice in there but ryan johnson episode eight we'll talk more about it when we get there but they make such a big deal about the dice that the writers of this film feel like they have to explain the dice in this film so that way it makes sense in seven and like i said they make the dice a main character in this film but who cares <laughs> who cares they make such a big deal about it yeah but and the movie doesn't even explain it like yeah. like you mentioned even if and when we were watching it like had they at least said like oh these belong to my father mm-hmm. or you know or even if they were cure like a present to him or something you know like at least that would have made sense but they're just there and it's just like okay i guess you're not going to explain that i guess it's it's supposed to mean that something that he loves and they pass on and and when they're hanging in the falcon that's where his home is yeah that's who he loves and he loves his falcon he loves chewy he's you know he loves kira kira gives it back she's not in, she's not his home anymore then he's gonna give him to leia um she was his home and luke's gonna give him to leia to remind him you know he was your home yeah and they definitely want you to feel that but i feel like i would have felt that even more and i feel it here but i feel that it's unnecessary but i would feel it maybe that it is necessary if they said hey this is from your mom. Yeah. Your mom died when the clones were doing something and they accidentally killed an innocent person. Yeah. Then I would have felt it. Something. To connect to episode three, then to have three connect to eight. Like, you could have that big wide connection that's even a connection in episode four. Yeah. But then again, there is no reason. So I'm which, just like, why dice? Which, the thing that gets me, drives me crazy is because they explain basically everything mm-hmm. about, they give the backstory just about everything in this movie, but they don't the dice. <laughs> Like, that just makes no sense. <laughs> Why'd you forget the dice when you were coming up with the checklist? Oh, we forgot to put the dice on the checklist. You tend to forget about as much when you have so many things you got to check off of a checklist. Yeah. You tend to forget some things. And apparently. And apparently they you know, missed the big one, I guess. Uh, um, I got another question. All right. I, I, I don't... I, I feel like this needs to be explained, but they didn't explain... I think we just need to know more. About how did Kira end up with Venendross and part of this whole underground system? We just, yeah. She kind of ju- shows up and says she just, never left. It just seems kind of random. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, you know, it, it's like the filmmaker's way to kind of put her in the film. It's like, oh, we'll just have her be part of this. We won't mm-hmm. explore it. I mean, maybe 
a streaming service maybe i don't know mm-hmm. i don't want that to be the answer to every plot thread they don't explain in star wars <laughs> but they don't explain it i don't know i wish i knew but mm-hmm. uh, maybe they would have explored it in solo too but we'll never know yeah yeah it, it just seems like a plot contrivance to me just to bring her back in the film mm-hmm. that's the only thing and i also want to know my last question is um and this is more of a question because I can kind of see how this forms and how the society forms knowing what I know. But why in the world would you introduce this plot point of this Crimson Dawn and this underground world um, that Maul's the overlord of and, you know, they're just this overarching um, crime syndicate which nothing's wrong with that but the question is one do people care two do people really understand three why do people wouldn't people feel like there's no real answer because there's no more explanation of any crime syndicate after solo in the movies yeah and are you really gonna make people go watch a tv show to get more answers you know, like, there's a lot of questions, and even though I like that this organization is held by Maul, that it's in this movie, it's kind of like, normal people aren't going to understand what they're going for, and if you're not included, you're going to feel excluded. Yeah. And I don't want to feel like Star Wars should exclude anybody, but it will if you only do nods to things like TV shows that only certain people have watched. Mm-hmm. That, that that was my big thing with the Maul reveal. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like that was a nod to a certain people but to others, they would feel left out. Like, mm. oh, I didn't watch the Clone Wars, so I had no mm. idea that how this happened and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the that's the thing that you risk when you try to do something like that. That you know, that's not directly tied to a TV series. Like you put nods to it that people just won't understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's have to be you know, like like little things. Like you mentioned little things from like Rebels or mm-hmm. you know that video game. Like you mentioned, like little things there. I mean, you know, that's cool. But something big like that. You know, and the cursor, like <laughs> big that, like Darth Maul. Yeah, that you don't explain. Like you say, you know, and it's basically them saying, "Oh, you have to watch the Clone Wars TV series to understand." Which that that was my one uh, that was one of my questions. You know, going into well, solo that I had was, and you kind of explained it like a little bit how like Maul became the head of Crimson Dawn. Like that just left a big question mark on my head. Besides mm-hmm. the fact of him coming back, even though I knew how he'd come back, like I said, but it just made me realize, like, how did he become this crime syndicate of Crimson Dawn? Like, that didn't quite make a lot of sense. I mean, you explained it a little bit and stuff, so I guess it makes a little sense, but it's still just kind of... I mean, the thing is, is that they haven't finished the Clone Wars, so we don't know exactly how he starts it, but we know in Rebels that he's owner of a crime syndicate, but they use a different term that they use in this movie because the Rebels part came out before this. Mm-hmm. But they do know, because we're missing the end couple 12 episodes of Clone Wars that they're going to do. But we do know what he is in Clone Wars is that he's trying to get back at Sidious. And he tries a lot of things and he is his brother, Asajj Press, um, Lee's Dooku as his apprentice, becomes his apprentice. Then if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you what happens with that story. Mm-hmm. Then what happens is that fails. Then... He pretty much, again, does not beat his old master. Then um, he thinks it's kind of worthless. But then uh, Obi-Wan finds this idea that Maul is alive. They battle each other. Then 
they go into episode, we kind of miss what happens. Then we know in Rebels that he's left on this Sith planet of Malachor, and that's where we see him mm-hmm. the first time in uh, Rebels season two, ending with Darth, um, with him versus the three um, uh, Darth Vader's in it too, and all that. That that fight. That's the first time you ever meet Maul's and in, in, uh, mm-hmm. Maul and Rebels, and he says that formerly Darth, now just Maul, because anytime Darth gets a new taking of a new apprentice you no longer get the position of Darth anymore. Yeah. So he's now just Maul that knows all this stuff, former dark side user. And we know that he sees through a Sith holocron, which tells him a future. He, He sees through it, and he sees Ezra, which is one of the main characters, sees two sons. Yeah. Then he sees it, and he sees he's alive. And he's alive? He's alive? He's alive. Obi-Wan's alive, and that's his next mission on the next season, is to get to Obi-Wan, which is the iconic scene of his death and all that stuff. Yeah. But, then Ezra has the scene of two sons, that's either talking about Obi-Wan being the new hope, but he's missing it, he thinks it's Obi-Wan, when it's actually Luke, which he doesn't know that Luke, he's actually, Luke is the new hope. So, and we do know that he, he is leading a group, and that before he dies as Obi-Wan, he or, he owned this organization. And the problem is, they just want to understand that. Like, no one has that history in their brain. Not even I have full history. It's not complete yet. So, there's some point of me that I think it probably should have been either Boba Fett or Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Because it wouldn't have been anything um, too complicated. It would make sense. It would fit neatly. Yeah. Um, but you're kind of like giving a nice good you know here's a good donut prequel episode one fans for how you know you were just staying with the franchise pretty much you right know? it just seems like it overcomplicates things mm-hmm. and stuff but you just think maybe like if they have a when they do the clone Wars season seven maybe that could explain it a little bit more i'm May- pretty maybe sure they, they're still gonna do probably some yeah because one of the big arcs that i know they're gonna do in clone wars Disney Plus coming out. Well, which the Clone Wars isn't going to come out until 2020. Yeah. But, like, they're going to do the Mandalorian arc, which is a three-part story, apparently, that's going to deal with the planet of Mandalore and have all that battle. Um, and they're probably still going to have Maul in it at some point. So, I, I like that Maul's in it, but I don't for certain people. Like, it should be Maul for me and Boba Fett for you. Yeah. And it should lead to the same conclusion. As long as it makes people happy, but the problem is it it, it doesn't because it causes confusion. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing. Like, if it didn't cause confusion, if there was a film before this that explained yeah. Maul, like, I, I would be fine with this. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it could cause confusion to people who are not well-versed in the Clone Wars mm-hmm. and stuff, like, that, that that just would kind of divide people instead of make everyone in the theater rejoice. Yeah. Like, there'd be maybe a quarter of the people rejoicing and the rest maybe scratching their heads kind of thinking, how does this quite work out, you know? So that's my only thing about that. Yeah. Any other questions from couple, your side? I guess a couple more questions. Uh, that I mean... I already touched on, you know, I asked if the movie was necessary, which we already touched on, <laughs> but I, I did have this, you know, with, with the scene when Han and Chewie first meet and stuff, like, mm-hmm. how does Han know how to speak Wookiee? Like, it, it just seems convenient to... Shirley Wook. Oh. Shirley Wook is actually what it's called. Most people say Wookiee, but apparently it is actually Shirley Wook. Look it up in Star Wars Wikipedia. Because uh, I, I did. Oh, Okay. It's Shirley Wook. Shirley Wook. Okay. Yes. That's uh, the language of a Wookiee. 
Did anyone else know that besides him? <laughs> if someone else did, I, I, I would give you guys a gold star, but... <laughs> Cool. But yes, that's yeah. something that's never talked about again. But it's kind of... I feel it's interesting that Han knows Shirley look. Yeah. It's odd, though, that he does not bring it up again. Yeah, exactly. He, he never talked... And that even brings up the other question. How does Chewie know English? Like, when Saw's <laughs> speaking in English, you know, Chewie's like, oh, like, why don't you just respond? I, I, don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess we're not meant to think too much about it, but that's just a question I had. Yeah. And, of course, the another big question that we kind of touched on a little bit, but... You know, with the whole Lando thing about, like, her saying that Lando and the droid get together and she asks, like, how it works and L3 says it works. How does it work? Like, how is that possible for that to work? I mean, I mean, I doubt we'll talk about that because, you know, we want we want to keep it, you know, somewhat family friendly. <laughs> but it just, uh, it's just. TMI, really. Too too much information, guys. Like, it just... I just want to know how it works. And if you make me ask that, then don't have it in there. Uh, what I think is wrong about that is I firmly believe, and I say this to you and I would say this to Star Wars people all the time, Star Wars should be a movie for 12-year-old boys and girls. If Star Wars at any point is not a movie for 12-year-old boys and girls, it should not be in there. Which that feels like it's more pandering to older people that are for... Or into just the the hashtag, you know, yeah. people that want to get, I don't know what you call it, leftist message, or if you want to give a progressive message, it's kind of like... Oh, that's definitely a progressive well, message. Well, it's kind of like, hashtag, it can work, girl and girl. Hashtag, it can work, trans, trans. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, I don't want to make fun of anyone with that, but it's kind of in the movie also making fun of people that live that lifestyle. Yeah. So it works. How does it work? It just does. Like, how? Like, yeah. are you making fun of it? Or, you know, I don't uh, know. Are what, you being genuine about it? Like, you know? we don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh. But that, that, again, that's not what a 12-year and 14-year-old boy watches when they when they love episode 7. Or what they know? think about. No. They're like, oh, Ray, with that lightsaber. That's awesome. They don't go, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> or, or thinking, you know what I want to see? I want to see... Uh, yeah, uh, that, stop. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I wasn't going to finish it, but... <laughs> trust me, I doubt most of them would think that. Uh, uh, you, go, you mentioned earlier about George saying, I may have gone too far on this. The writers and filmmakers should have asked that. Yeah. Have said that. And one last question is, like... Uh, they they met the group that you know that's I forget what what is it Eagle's Nest or something I, I forget what 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 the group is like the group with the red hair girl and oh Nef- Dave... Nephi's Fest Nephi's Fest nope it's uh, it's, uh, it, it's close yeah yeah but, but yeah yeah that that group you know we can look it up later on Star Wars Wikipedia or whatever yep. but how does like I'm kind of curious as to how that Enfie's group Enfy's Nest Enfy's Nest Enfy's it might be Emphy's Nest. Might be. I, I know Dross expl- says a line who Enfy's they are. Nest. Towards the That's end. the other issue, is that there's a lot of things in this that I know Star Wars has a lot of interesting names, but like... Do they make sense? <laughs> That's the... And just that this movie's not necessary. So like, you can't remember what Infant Draws' actual name is. Like, I'm not saying it correctly. Yeah, I probably am not do either. We mem- do we remember what the African-American girl... That kills herself to save the 
whatever the uh, uh, like whatever that was on the train. I don't, I don't even remember Quaxium or whatever. What was her name? I don't even remember John Favreau's character's name. Oh. I, 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 I'm just actually sad because I do like that character. Yeah, He's yeah, but I, I forgot we forgot to mention that. But John Favreau voiced the character uh, uh, that that did figure. die, the monkey character, which yeah. was really fun. Mm-hmm. But my question is how because they the group mentions at the end you know like the, I guess the Quaxium or whatever they have there it's for rebellion yep. or something like that like does that mean that they tie into the rebellion and if so how do they tie into the rebellion like I, I don't know that just kind of left my question kind of wondering like because yeah. it seems like they're seeding the rebellion which it's a sect of a rebellion like dot maybe you know maybe one of those groups in Rogue One I don't know because that is one of um, saw uh saw Guerrero's men's in the background, but I bet this is before he met Saw Guerrero. So probably um in the timeline, it seems like it's probably before. So maybe it's a sect of a rebellion starting, but yeah. Okay, I I guess I don't like it because I don't think Han should have anything to do with the rebellion. If that's if that is the official start of the rebellion, that's Han's sad. the start of the rebellion. That, you know? that's too far. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I liked it. If it's just a sect, that's fine. Just a small little sect yeah. that's going to destroy or, the empire. Or even better yet, if it's just a rebellion against Crimson Dawn or something. Like, yeah. Like even that, I'd be fine. But if it's like the whole overarching rebellion against the empire, which I assume that's what they are by yeah. saying that, then that that's just too much. For a solo film to tackle, a solo uh, film. I got, I got it. You got that, it. You, you gotta have it. It's on film. the checklist. How does Han get in touch with the rebellion? Check. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that's all the questions I had. Okay. But I guess we can get with our grade. All right. So Z Man, what is your grade for Solo, a Star Wars story? Do you know what what you know what my favorite saying is when watching this movie? This movie yeah, is it's a, a Taco, Taco Bell, Bell movie. movie. I had that written down, um, and it is a Taco Bell movie. And what do I mean by that? Taco Bell is a place of great food, and feels good. Like, sometimes you really enjoy a nice good Taco Bell with a good Mountain Dew Baja Blast. But, on an odd day... for you. <laughs> yes, when you eat it, it's like, that's not good. Why did I make this decision? I wasted 15 to $10. Um, I could have just gone to Sheets. I could have just gone to Mickey you know, any other place. Or I could have actually just saved that and just went to a better refined restaurant. But then there are times where, you know, I like Taco Bell because it's it's good. And I enjoy just having crappy good food. And I think this movie is a, because I think other movies are like this, just a Taco Bell movie. Like, you pull into the drive-thru, you get what you want. And you actually enjoy it while you're playing video games and you're just eating Taco Bell and you're like, I really, it's, it's good. I had a good, di- I had a good dinner tonight. I played some Battlefront 2 and I ate Taco Bell. But then there's times when you go on to Taco Bell drive through then you leave, then you eat it, then you're like, man, that's all I had left. I only had $10 and I chose to go here because now I feel hungry again, like you feel disgusting and it doesn't look good when you eat it or on the way out. So, like, 
That's what I mean by Taco Bell movie. And this is what this movie is. It's a Taco Bell movie. It has some fun things, but it has some odd days where I'm like, this is... And I, I, I wrote down, this is the word for this movie. Mediocre. Yeah. Um, it's Taco Bell. It's mediocre Mexican-American food. It's not trash, even though sometimes it looks like trash. Sometimes it's delicious, even though it looks like trash. So it's like, I, I think it's a perfect representation of Taco Bell in a movie form. And even has Taco Bell's mild orange <laughs> uh, salsa all over this movie. Like, all the lights are evil. Either you're in a purple, black, bluish uh, scene, or you're in an orange, brown, black scene that's a very Taco Bell orange. I'm sure that was direct product placement for Taco Bell. <laughs> so that's how they got money for this movie. Yeah. Um, but um, my my favorite highlights in this movie are Lando, Han, Chewie, um, Falcon, some cool shots, some cool nods. Um, to the originals, um, some of the, you know, seeing some of the things, uh, that Han gets and what Han is, is cool, um, but then, I mean, some of the higher weaknesses are bad, is this movie necessary, it really makes it convoluted, it makes it mediocre, um, this movie is the most least successful Star Wars movie of all time, it's, it's a movie that told Star Wars, hey, after nine, we're going on a hiatus, and we're not making any more of these, because we don't know what next good story to do, and we feel like we'll be criticized. So let's just stick to TV. And uh, well, this movie also gave them that benefit that they're going to TV now. Mm-hmm. But I gave this movie a eighty. Okay. Um, I had given episode three an eighty-two which I'd given it a B minus. I give this movie an 80, which is a C plus. Um, I don't think it deserves to be an A. Then as I rethink my grade and as I give my final score, I'm thinking, okay, it's not a B plus. Okay. It's not a B, even though like if it was really good, maybe I could do a B. B minus, maybe I can have a debate on that. But then I go down to C, I'm like, oh, C, I don't know, that means it's just a very average movie, but I really like Star Wars, and um, I really like some things in here, um, but it's not a B, because a B kind of means it's on the good. If it's a B movie, it should kind of get a sequel, maybe, but this movie didn't get a sequel. It probably so never will. It never will, so how do I view that? And I just said, it's it's a C plus. It was It was... It's a couple points away from a B minus. It's a it's a C plus is an eighty for me. Yeah. Um now even though I'm one, I said it was one of the most one is one of the most unnecessary films you can skip. I think you can absolutely watch through Star Wars and choose if you want this movie or not. Like I've never said to each person, Hey, you don't need episode one, but you need to buy two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight and Rogue One maybe. But I would say to all of them, just get Star Wars. Get the complete saga. Yeah. But when it comes to the individual movies, which ones do you need? And they're like, hey, what about the Solo? A Star Wars story. Do you like Han? Yes. Checkman. Do you want a story about how Han becomes Han? Maybe. Okay, we'll think about that. Do you want a story about how Han gets everything he has in the first original story of Star Wars? No. Do I want a story about how... Han means Lando. Yes. Do I want a story about Han 
going on this adventure and he gets a gun, uh, he gets Chewy, he shoots first, he has all these homages to episode four. No. Why not this fur, like, I'm acting like Paul, I'm creating a a man that I'm fictionarily talking to, but he's representing someone. (laughs) Ooh, that's deep, man. (laughs) More deeper than the screenwriters put for this film. So, sir, do you want to watch this movie? I like the premise, but is it actually absolutely needed as a $300 million pilot for a TV show? That would have been much better. <laughs> for you a know? Disney Plus TV show. <laughs> <laughs> like, if it was a Disney TV show, maybe you would have hooked that guy on, you know? But by saying it's a movie and giving him that, like, yes, we've been, we just went through a movie with a lot of stuff about Han Solo in two hours. That, I feel like lot. you can have gone through, like... I don't know, 40 minutes and 10 episodes of 40-minute episodes of Han. And give, actually, story arcs to Kira, to Beckett, to Han, to Chewie, to the monkey figure, and to all of them. And actually give a story with an ending that maybe moves on to a sequel or a season, you know, and all that stuff. I think this movie is just mediocre, C+, 80... Um, I was excited. I I was excited to talk about it because um, we get into this this solo Star Wars story. Is I don't think the movie that kind of saw the collapse of Disney's empire of Star Wars and what they want to do, but it definitely was kind of like the last nail in the coffin that it was kind of like, ah, you kind of messed up in this movie. Then you did solo. Then it was like not the movie that we wanted to help us. You know, get rejuvenized for Star Wars. So mediocre that it's leans on nine to be the one of the... Needs to be the Disney... I'm just going to say, I think Disney needs episode nine to be its best Star Wars movie. It needs to be... It needs to be its Avengers Endgame. Yes, because how seven was its Avengers Infinity War, then eight is what that is, then Solo's mediocre. I'm just like, man, we need an Endgame here, and... This is just kind of watching Ant-Man and the Wasp Ooh. while you're waiting for an endgame. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Uh, unfortunately, kind of like you're right. Not 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 quite Captain Marvel, but... No. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like a mediocre movie that's, like, taught them a lesson that we need to do the endgame now. Then yeah. we need to move on and have a hiatus. Yeah. So, C plus 80. That's that, where you're going to get from your Z-Man. That, that's fair. The Hunter is up next. All right. The Sharpshooter. Well, I... I don't know if this is necessarily true, but I feel like I remember them when they bought Star Wars, when Disney bought Star Wars back in 2012, that Kathleen Kennedy said that they were going to tell all these amazing, cool stories, stories that we had never explored before in Star Wars franchise. I think she said something like that. Mm. I'm not sure. And they, they so far, with you know the four movies they've released for Disney, mm-hmm. plus I'm sure, definitely Rise of Skywalker when that comes out next month. Yeah, Mandalorian have, comes out. And Mandalorian, yes. Comes out soon of this recording. They've uh, About four days from this recording, <laughs> which I'm so excited for. <laughs> but this movie, along with all those other ones, sticks to the original trilogy. Yeah. It, it doesn't go far from you know, from that template, which I think is detrimental to this film in a sense. And it's just funny thinking about it because I remember like when this film came out and I was talking to people about Solo, Mm. about Star Wars, 
And I think originally when we first made contact, when we were, like, during the summer and we were texting or just talking on the phone, I really enjoyed this movie. Like, I thought it was a pretty good movie. Like, I wasn't saying it was better than 8, but, like, it was a good time. I watched it with good friends, and it is a good time to watch with good friends, but I probably thought a lot higher of it than I did now. Yeah, I I think you did. And let me tell you what, I did not think too highly of it either, Mm -hmm. but I'll get more to that in a second. Because... But because I remember talking with, you know, obviously you saw it, but yeah. when I talked with other people about it, like my roommate from a couple years ago mm-hmm. and a couple other people who said that they did not see this movie when it came out. Mm-hmm. I was like, Star Wars, come on, how could you not see it in this movie? It's Star Wars. Yeah. But then it just kind of dawned on me about just the impact that this film had, which really wasn't that much, <laughs> which kind of ties into me watching it for the first time in theaters. You had a very positive experience about it but i remember just not really having a great time with it i mean i i thought it was my least favorite out of the mm. ones that had come out at that point in time uh, as far as the disney films go i mean oh I, yeah it's it, at least yeah that's yeah you you're gonna hear yeah. our grades about the other ones but yeah i can just admit this is my lowest yeah. grade on any di- like disney extended star wars but, but, yeah. Yeah. And I've tried, you know, I thought, you know, maybe I was in a bad mood that day, you know, mm. after work or whatever. And so, like, I, I, I've i tried to, you know, a couple times watch, especially for this time, like, yeah. try to open my mind. Hopefully see- it got you to open up some things about uh, Han Solo and all yeah. that stuff. Lando. And, and I'll be honest, it, it did. Like, I like it a little bit more than I did the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, the positives I say I think are true. I, I like the performances in the movie that I mentioned. I like the relationship between Han and Chewie. You know, I like some good moments. There are some cool callbacks. The Kessel Run scene is fun. Mm-hmm. But from what I mentioned, just a lot of stuff just brings it down. Like, the action still isn't that exciting to me. Mm-hmm. I feel there's too many callbacks and just some characters that don't work. It's just the mentality of this film that this film needs to be a checklist film instead of a character study of Han Solo or deepening the character mythology of Han Solo. Yeah. And that just kind of brings it down to me. And it makes me sad to say that about this film, but it's it's kind of true. And I think, yeah, mediocre is the word to say. I, I think you're right about that because, you know, I, I just I just don't really feel excited now, I wasn't super excited to watch Solo again, but I did. You know, I wanted to watch it again. And, you know, I, I still felt kind of so-so about it. I felt like I had, you know, to use a different analogy than Taco Bell, I felt like I ate a bowl of vanilla ice cream. Mm. Now, I don't want to diss people who love vanilla ice cream. It's good I, Yeah, I, I like vanilla ice cream. I think vanilla ice cream is good. You know, there's there's nothing that's... It's the most basic ice cream, though. <laughs> exactly. Because, like, it's good, but there's nothing special about it. Yeah. You can get it basically anywhere. It, it's just it's just fine, you know? Most people add chocolate sauce and whipped cream and cherries and stuff to make it better. Yeah. That, that makes it more exciting to differentiate itself. Vanilla is just kind of bland. And honestly, watching this film again, that's kind of how I feel about it. I don't know what went wrong with this one. I don't know if it was the behind-the-scenes stuff that made it bland. I don't know if it's Ron Howard as a director. I don't know if it was the screenwriters or if it was some performances, but I just don't get excited for watching this film as I do some other ones. In fact, to even bring my point even further, I was in a hotel 
not too uh, earlier this year, I think, in like March or so, and I was watching this uh, part of episode three on the TV, mm. and because when I ranked the Star Wars films, I had Solo above Revenge of the Sith, and I watched like 10, 15 minutes of Revenge of the Sith, and after watching that, I said to myself, I'm sorry, Revenge of the Sith. I'm sorry for saying that about you. Yeah. You're you're right. You you deserve to be better than Solo. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think it's true. Mm. It's that weird feeling of just, you know, not being awful, because this movie is not awful, but it's also not that great either. It's just that kind of weird, middle, just bland Star Wars film. Like, this is the most blandest Star Wars film ever. And... Despite what you some of you, some of us may think about, you know, like some divisive Star Wars films or some weird Star Wars films, at least they tried to differentiate itself. Yeah. This film plays it safe, mm-hmm. and I feel it plays it a little too safe mm-hmm. and a little too, you know, bland for my liking. Mm-hmm. So, just to wrap all that up, I just in thinking about my grade for this film, I I struggle with it a little bit, but. And thinking through this, my grade for this film, I too came up with a C plus. Mm. I almost gave it a B minus, but I just you know the discussion that we had about not this movie kind of being more unnecessary than Phantom Menace just kind of brought it down to a C plus for me. Yeah. Like it's it's fine. This is a fine film. Like you know, like like Zach mentioned, like I mentioned too. Like you can watch this film and have a good time. Like you could watch it with your friends who are Star Wars fans and just have a blast with it but if you're looking for something more if you're looking for something more than just what you expect in a star wars film if you're expecting more than just watching how han got his blaster how han got the millennium falcon if you're looking for more than that this film isn't there to offer it to you it's there to offer you an okay time and that's exactly what it delivers now i don't know if that would have changed had this film been released in december instead of may I don't know what would have happened had they stuck with Lord and Miller as the directors and not Ron Howard. I don't know what would have happened. But honestly, with all of what happened, I'm surprised we got the film we did. It's like, that this film is better than Justice League. And Justice League had its own issues. This yeah. one kind of had similar issues to Justice League. So the fact, not only did they get this on time, but it's as good as it is, that kind of says something about this film. But as it is, it is a bland okay star wars film it's i wish it could be better i wish i could love it more but it's okay and it's an okay time we you know we had taco bell when we watched the solo today and i i think we had an okay time watching it you know it's it's good to you know eat taco bell that kind of food with it but if you're looking for a fine steak kind of movie this ain't it at all empire oh yeah this ain't no empire strikes back but it is not Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones bad. This is just okay. And unfortunately for me, I want more in a Star Wars film than just having a mediocre okay time. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. It's fine. But I wish this film could have been more. I think it could have been more. But it's, uh, it obviously isn't. And kind of ruined Star Wars a little bit. It may not, Like you said, it may not have been the film that derailed the Star Wars franchise to where we're all now hoping that Episode Nine delivers. Yeah. But it is definitely a significant loss for Disney, how it didn't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's significant how it divided people as to, like, are we releasing these films too fast? Is one a year too much for Star they Wars? They were trying to do the Marvel idea. 
every three, four months having a Star Wars movie. And yeah. it, it wor- it's working for Marvel, but and some people may be getting superhero fatigue, which if we ever do a superhero film, we can talk about that for sure. Yeah. But for Star Wars, like the special thing about Star Wars was that a film was released every three years. It made Star Wars an event mm-hmm. instead of just a, a Marvel film to continue on a saga story. Like, you know, you want it to feel special, which I'm glad that Disney is going to, once the hiatus is done, they're going to release a film every couple years, three years or so. Yeah. So I appreciate that. But I think this film is just the end of what we now know as the once-a-year Star Wars films. And unfortunately... It had to be this film to be that, but yeah. at least we now know, and now Disney knows. Mm-hmm. So it's it's okay. I think we can both say it's just okay. But mediocre, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just mediocre. But but it, it is a mild recommend. So check, oh, yeah. so, so so check it out. Check out Solo. It's fine, but just don't expect it to be you know the topsy turvy. Oh my goodness, this is like unbelievable kind of Star Wars film. I don't think there's anything to hate. There's some stuff to dislike. Nothing yeah. to hate. Yeah, or it can just go sleep and not watch it. Exactly. Like my like my negatives are not things I hate. It's yeah. just stuff that could have been a lot better, and mm-hmm. I wish it could have been a lot better. Mm-hmm. Which is so weird to grade a film like this because mm-hmm. you don't hate it, but you, there's nothing you really love either. It's just kind of in the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's how we did it. All right. Well, Hunter has an announcement. We do, and the announcement is the poll. Which is going to determine how what movie we review tomorrow. <laughs> and let me tell you what. As of 6 o'clock tonight, it was tied. It was close. <laughs> Secret Life of Walter Mitty and Rocky. They sparred, man. They sparred a lot. It was crazy. Like I think even when the poll started, it was a tie between Secret Life, Rocky, and Unbreakable. Mm. But then it became Sec- uh, Rocky and Secret Life. But a film did come up, uh, come up on top. And I am pleased to announce that tomorrow we shall be reviewing Rocky. Rocky pulled through. It was the underdog, <laughs> just like in the movie, and pulled through. So so we shall be reviewing Rocky. I'll be watching it for, I don't know how many times it is. But Zach will be watching it for the very first time. First time. Which... If you want to find out his first reactions to ever watching a Rocky film, you have to check it out. <laughs> it will be... I, I don't know how he'll react, but I'm really excited for it. Okay. Well, I'm excited. So, I, th- I think it'll be a good one. I hope you guys can join us uh, then. And I just want to say thank you guys for voting on the poll. Uh, you know, we, we wouldn't have that without you guys. And it wouldn't be nearly as fun if we just did it for us. But we do it also for you guys. So we appreciate all of you that listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so, yeah, that's plans for so tomorrow that, that's and the next tomorrow. podcast. And we'll we'll discuss plans tomorrow for the future and stuff. Yep. But that's our plans for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Hope you guys join us then. And I hope you guys had a fun time hearing us talk about Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. This was Solo, a Star Wars story and movie review. Thanks for listening. And may the force be with you. I have a bad feeling about this.